Well, why don't we go ahead and open up with a prayer. Father, I, uh, I want to come before you this morning and pray ultimately that uh, all of us can be an instrument of your will, Father. That we can uh, be a lightning rod for your power, God, to work through us in, in the world that we live in. I pray that use me as an instrument this morning. I pray that my, uh, my, that the zeal that you have, that the, the, the passion and desire that you have for your people to know you and uh, to see and hear and, and be affected by your word would come through powerfully this morning. Uh, to put myself aside, as always, God, as an instrument. I pray work despite me. Pray that you would uh, fill us each with uh, the zeal that comes with knowing we are your children, that we are the disciples, that we are those who follow the path of righteousness and truth, that we bring light into a dark world, striving to make a difference, Father. We uh, are so grateful. Be with us, all of us this morning through your Holy Spirit uh, and teach us and lead us. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. 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 Well, we're going to get started in uh, 1 Peter. So if you can just head straight over there. We're going to be in 1 Peter 1 this morning. And, uh, you know, I was, I was in a meeting this week with um, you know, this council at UVM. But we had a guest, a guest individual come in and they were speaking about uh, this group trying to change essentially the culture, uh, trying to help change the culture of men at UVM. Um, it was an interesting program. I'm, I'm interested to find more, find more out about it. But they call it four and one, and the goal is to change the mentality of what it is to be masculine on campus. Like what what defines uh, a man, you know? And, and one of the topics we that came up in the discussion was what does it mean to be honorable? Uh, what does even the word honor mean these days? Do we do we even think about that? And it, it was, a, it was a cool discussion, but this group was trying to get advice going, what, what do students kind of need uh, to be able to make this change? And a bunch of different good ideas were put out there and, and different discussions, and, and they're like, well, we need to help them see the problem. But one of the other members on this council made the point, they said, you can help them see the problem, and you can have... You know, a bunch of students come to this. You know, you could have 50 students show up. But if that one student goes back, and let's say they're in a fraternity, right? And they come, and they're, they're moved, and they hear this, you know, this is how this should be. This is what's going on. Here's, here's what it really means to uh, live as a man with honor and integrity and respect and all of these things. And that one guy takes that and goes, yeah, this is true. And then he goes back into an environment that doesn't uphold those same values, it's very unlikely that that individual is going to really find any sort of change in their life. Right? And, and I was like, that's so true. And this, this guy, he made the point, he goes, people need to be around people who are going to embrace and encourage those same values. If you want to change, you need that help. You know, and, and I was like, wow, that's true. And in, in the discussion, you know, this scripture came up. This, this scripture and, and another that we're going to look at today in Daniel. But the idea is, are you, 
a stranger in the world, right? Are you strange or estranged in the world or are you at home in the environment you're in, you know? And so we're going to look at 1 Peter 1 this morning. You know, and if I, if I give this a title, let's go ahead and call it Stranger Things, right? <laughs> we'll say I have only seen things from the show. I haven't watched the series, so amen. I know, blasphemy. Some of you think it's blasphemy. I'm talking about Jesus here today, okay? Amen. So, but we're going to pick up in verse 1, or in uh, chapter 1, in verse 13. See, Peter has just finished writing about how we have a hope in God. We, the, the Christians, the disciples, the, the members of God's kingdom, we have a hope and a future that's coming our way because of Jesus. And so he's, he's talked about that, and we're picking up in verse 13. And he writes this, he says, Therefore, because of that hope, therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as He has called you is holy. He who has called you is holy. So be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. You know, when I look at the scripture, he starts by the concept of be holy. Right? And this word holy, it, it means to be set apart. Right? If you've never heard that, it, it means that you're set apart. Like your toothbrush, right, is your toothbrush to brush your teeth, not to clean your toilet. Right? Now, that may be a practical joke some people have used at different times. But that toothbrush is no longer holy. Right? It's not a holy toothbrush. It's not set apart for your teeth anymore. It's set apart for the trash or for cleaning shoes. It's no longer used for that. You don't want to defile that. You want to keep it separate. You want to keep it distinct and clean. You know, you, you, don't, you don't use it for just anything, right? And we are called... To be set apart as holy. Right? Figuring out what does that mean? You know, there's, there's so much in the scripture that we could talk about. My, my challenge this Sunday, uh, er, this, uh, as I was writing this for this, uh, this Sunday, was not what to say in the sense of how do I pull something out. It was there's so much to say, I have to bring it in. Right? But we look at it and he goes, okay, so be holy because your God is holy. But why would you want to be holy? Right? Why? He goes, what well, he ends it in, in what we read here in this, this uh, passage, but he ends it because you were purchased with something so precious. 
It's something that does not perish, spoil, or fade. Right? And when he goes, even like gold or silver, which will perish and spoil. And, and I don't think of gold or silver as ever perishing or spoiling. Because it's a, a basic element that lasts a really long time and it's been around and it will be around a lot longer than you know, our physical bodies are. Right? But I thought, if I wanted to give you something and buy something, what would I use? If, if, I, if I had a flower, right? Now some people, are, to the contrary, will say, I'll take the flower, right? But if I had a flower or five dollars... And I said, you know, and I wanted to, to buy something from you. And, and I said, I'll pay you, and here's a flower and a $5 bill. I'll pay you for this. Maybe I'll, I'll give it to you in a week from now, right? If I were to pay you, which of those would you rather have? Because the flower, some people are like, oh, I want the flower. Because flowers are beautiful and there's something special about them. But... In a few days, that flower is going to be worthless. It's going to be wilted. It's going to be dead. It's going to, be, it's going to have no value. Right? You know, $5 would still have value in a week from now. Now, then you take it farther and you go, well, what about 200 years from now? Will that be worth much? You know? I mean, you think of what things come to perish, spoil, or fade. But he's saying... The blood of Christ, you should be holy and set apart because the blood of Christ is what redeemed you. It's so valuable because it will never, ever perish, spoil, or fade. Right? So, and I look at this scripture and he's making this calling. But he goes, he tells them, he writes here, he says, All right, guys, live here as strangers. As strangers. And as a young Christian, I thought, what? Okay, so be strange. And then I remember this lesson from a brother. He goes, no, don't be weird, be normal. That was the title of his lesson, was don't be weird, be normal. And, uh, but we are supposed to be distinct and set apart, right? But when he, what he's really writing about here, he says, it's not about being weird. It's about that we're strangers, we're foreigners. In, in 1 Peter 2, verse 11, Peter actually refers to the Christians, he says, you are foreigners and strangers in the world. Right? You're foreigners and strangers in this world. And I thought, in, in, in the NIV it uses the word aliens. Uh, and I thought, aliens, okay. And then I realized he means foreigners. But you're You're foreigners. You don't belong here. If, you, if you're a Christian, what he's saying is, you, are a, you don't belong to this, not only to this country, but to this world anymore, is his point. We're, we're something totally different these days as Christians. You guys with me? Yeah. And, and, and so as he's, he's making this distinction, he's trying to help them know that you need to live with the knowledge that you don't belong here. Right. My hope is is to illustrate this idea for us today. My my hope is to help us see maybe in a, a little bit better what it would look like. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at four men in in the Bible who had a, an experience like this. We're going to look in Daniel chapter one, and we're going to read through about four guys who had to deal with 
being strangers and aliens, foreigners in a different land, who had to not conform to the world when it's being impressed upon them. Right? And, and we're going to look at how they stood apart as something distinct and different. Okay? Those are some of the main things we're going to look at today. And then hopefully walk away with one practical of how do we do it? How do we really live this out? Right? Uh, so with that, let's, let's head over to Daniel chapter 1. Because when I think about this, so the main things that we're going to talk about, as I said... Of, that, of even the, the first Peter scripture is live holy and set apart because God is your God. Understand that as Christians, this is the first Peter scripture, we're foreigners to this world. We don't belong here. And then it's, the third part of it is that it's the power of God ultimately that Peter wraps up. He goes, in the blood of Christ that saves you. So what I want you to look at is we're going to read this. I want to encourage you to focus on these things. Focus on... The determination of these young men to live holy and set apart lives. Despite the temptations and the opportunities to take it easy and inconvenient opportunities to be like the rest of them. And consider what it would have been like for them to be foreigners and strangers. And pay attention to how God's power works in their lives. So in, in Daniel chapter 1, we're going to start here. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand, along, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off uh, off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashinpaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after they were to enter the king's service. Among these were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief officials gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of the Lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why, why should he see you looking worse than the other men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, whom the chief officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, 
Please, test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food. And treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So we agreed to this and tested them for ten days. At the end of ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. These four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand the visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into the chief officials, to bring them in, the chief officials presented them to the king, to Nebuchadnezzar. And the king talked with them. And he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, or Azariah. And so they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about the king, the king questioned them. He found them ten times better than all the magicians, enchanters, and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Now that was a long passage with some funny names, right? Um, But it's distinct in these qualities. You, you have four young men. Their, their nation has been destroyed, right? They have been essentially, I mean, they're like kidnapped. They're taken from their home. And, and they're, of, they're of royal, like royalty, they're of noble families. You know, they're, they're of, they had a place and a station there in a life that they lost. And I tend to think, you know, my first thought is, oh man, they had to go to this place. And, and I think they had a miserable life, would be my first thought. But that doesn't, that's actually not what I read in Scripture. Uh, I don't know if anybody else envisions in their mind that it was this really hard thing. What I see is they come into this culture, into this society, they're like, okay, we're going to take you, and we're going to feed you choice foods. And we're going to train you and teach you. We're going to teach you, you know, they probably knew how to read, but we're going to teach you how to read. We're going to teach you literature. We're going to show you our culture and our society. We're going to train you in this way. We're going to provide you with the best foods we have to offer from the king's own table, right? And he's saying, and you're going to train with all of these these other young men who've been brought in. And so there's this this culture already that they're coming into. It's not it's not this. I mean, maybe there's probably some grueling academia there that they're training these guys. But in the sense, it's, they're not in a dungeon. They're not being, you know, gravely mistreated. In fact, they're being offered great, all the food and it seems like wine that they could eat and drink. Free food sounds good, right? To anybody, I'm assuming there's are, you know, guys, anywhere from the ages of 14 to 20, we're looking at. And if you offer a young man free food, we often, you know, we'll eat it, right? Now, I'm 30. I still remember being like that age very well. Uh, and I still am tempted to eat all the free food. But I look at this, and there's a culture here being impressed upon them. So much so that they're like, all right, guys, you know what? Your names, Daniel, Mishael, Azariah, you know, all of this, Hananiah, those are Jewish names. We're going to give you Babylonian names. We're going to actually change your name. Can you think of... I mean, when you go into, uh, 
a group or a team, when they start to change your name, like giving you a nickname or giving you a new name, that's like you're part of that group. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's some influence that comes with changing your name. They're trying to change everything about them. You see what I'm saying? The, the world is impressing upon them this culture and trying to tell them, be like this, be like us. And they're going, no. They still refer, I believe they're actually still referring to each other in their Jewish names. I know, I know they want me to call you, you know, Azariah. I'm still going to call you Abednego. Like, you know, or to me, you're still Abednego, right? That's who you are. And, and they're coming together, though, and they're remembering who they are together. They're, they're encouraging each other. But what do they say? They go, we're not going to defile ourselves with this food. Because the Jewish people had very specific food laws. They said, you know what? Let's just be on the safe side. Just bring us vegetables. Just bring us vegetables. Now, we've got some vegetarians and stuff in here. And they're like, yeah! Vegetarian diet. They are healthier. You know? They're getting the vegetables and they're getting the water. They're cutting out the wine and the alcohol. They're cutting out the, the meats and all of this. And in fact, they're doing better and they're taking in less. But they're having to turn away choice things, convenient things, tasty, appealing morsels. You guys get what I'm saying? Does the world ever offer you some really convenient, tasty morsels? Right? You think about our society. I mean, can you relate to this a little bit? When you think of these young guys taken to this culture, we as Christians are coming together. Now, we, we get baptized. We become a new creation. We're members of a, of a different kingdom. We're members of a different world. This world is not our home. Right? Just passing through. You know, we're going to sing that after this. But you think about it. These guys are, are saying, we're not going to be like them. We're going to be different. We're going to be set apart. We're going to be holy. Do you think like that still these days? Do you think about how the world is trying to influence you? Uh, not with challenge. See, because I often think the hardest, the, there are times where we are refined, we are defined, we are, we're molded by the hard times. And we are. Right? We are molded and shaped by our experiences by the hard times. Convictions, I believe, grow or are lost, right, in hard times. But there's an element that I think what's just as difficult, if not more, is the convenient, comfortable times. Right? What's, what's harder? In my mind... What's harder is being sharp when there's no longer any reason to be sharp. To stay sharp is, is you feel like you've got to be ready. But when things are comfortable and easy or convenient, it's harder to stay that way. Is, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you can relate. I think of these guys. What were they experiencing? You know, these guys, they had no parents. They had no priests. They had lots of wine and choice foods being offered to them. Free to indulge. And, and, and 
it would have been just easy because the culture there was going, yeah, be like us, be like us. Just have the food. You're going to learn from us. We're going to we're going to do this. You're going to be trained. And eventually, you know what? You may get to serve in the king's court. Do you guys get the temptation there? I mean, it would have been so easy to just go. I can be successful here. And they were very successful. But they were successful even more so because God blessed them as they stood their ground to be holy and set apart. And if you read through the book of Daniel, you'll find in time that they were, people would try to, they tried to kill Daniel. They tried to trap him. And they were like, he's such a man of integrity. We can't find anything on him. The only way we're going to get him is if we make something about his God an issue. Right? And they actually had to outlaw his God for him to be in trouble at all. But in this, when I think of what it's like in the world today, the challenges I face, you know, in the past, I did direct sales. So I did the door-to-door sales thing. Um, and, and I was decent at it. I wasn't as good as some of the other guys. And a big part of it was because I, I, I was strongly encouraged to at the least fudge the truth. Um, you know, or, or, you know, keep some details out of it to try to paint the very best picture with, you know, knowing some of the not as great details. Um, and I was encouraged to do that. I, I, I was so tempted to do it because the paychecks were pretty good if you get the, if you make the sales. Um, but I just couldn't do it. I just like, and I didn't do as well. Eventually, I quit. And but it was so tempting because not only they're they're they were, and times tempting me to outright lie. And I had to be honest with the guys I lived with who were disciples, who were Christians. And I, guys, this is what's going on. I still think this is a good product. Da 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 da. But this is the culture that I'm in. Can you ask me about this? And I had to encourage people to keep asking me because I knew I was going to be tempted to lie. Because when it's $500 or $800 on the line, it's pretty tempting. Um, But that was the culture in that group that was trying to change me. You know, more recently, I've uh, I've joined the board of my, my homeowners association, my condo association. And we're doing a big project. So we're about to redo our driveway. If you've ever been to our place, if you've ever been to our place, so everybody knows, everybody knows. So, so that's going to start on Monday. That's going to start on Monday. We have large potholes if you haven't been to my place. Um, it looks, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. Obviously because everybody claps, so you have an idea if you don't know. Um, but we're redoing the whole thing, right? And it's going to cost like $60,000 to do this. And there's a lot of different paperwork and, and things that have gone on. And there's actually been a changeover in the board. And so in our little homeowners association, there's like a lot of hostility. I'm not like now on the board as a member. And so like, you know, the older board members who are kind of on their way out are still having things with the old the newer board members who are coming in and some of them are really strong. There's a couple who are really strong personalities and there's some clashing going on. And I've spent a lot of time writing emails in the last two weeks and on the phone and talking in different groups with these because it's, it's a big decision for our, our little neighborhood. 
as a as a minister, I spend most of my time, thankfully, around a lot of you, right? I get to spend it with people who love God, have a desire to know God, or, or, or at least, you know, are interested in opening the Bible and trying to live out a Christian lifestyle. Um, or I'm studying the Bible with one or two people who are, you know, sometimes very worldly, but they want to change. So that influence there is that they want to be more like God and not like the world anymore. That's not so with this group. I'm a minority. And uh, as a Christian, I'm a minority. Thanks, Jero. So, you know, I, I think about it, though. We're, you're a disciple. You're all minorities. Amen. But um, we are... I'm in this group, and it's been a long time since I've been around a number of people where hostility reigns. Where language is just foul, right? And I'm like, for the first time in a long time, I'm being tempted to use harsh language myself. Because the the pervasive culture of the group that I'm in wants to influence me that way. And in my mind, I've got to remind myself, I'm a disciple of Jesus first. Right? And I acknowledge, yeah, I'm a minister, so that's, a, that's another thing. But, but aside from that, I'm a disciple of Jesus. Like, I, don't, I want to be distinct. I don't want to be, come across as bitter or harsh or hostile, as, as or just angry and, and using the same language that they do. Right? I want to be holy and distinct and set apart. It's hard to do that if I were just by myself. If I didn't have brothers and sisters, if I didn't have the what I need, you know, guys like Euro and Zach and Kyle, you know, like Peter in my life, you know, if I didn't have these things, it's a lot harder because I have nobody to go back to and find strength in. You guys know what I'm saying? And you know this better than I do because many of you work with people like this. Right? More than I do. And all the more reason I'm going, wow. I know I need help. And just this situation. How much more the rest of us, right? How much more do you need it? Do you recognize you need it? I definitely realized it when I had some words go through my head. I'm like, I haven't, I haven't even been tempted to say something like that in a long time. Where did that come from? Hey, you get what I'm saying? Like, I, I need to be around people who influence me to be holy and righteous. And we need to strengthen one another in this way. But I think of these guys and what did they do? They stood up for what was right. And they they decided to be holy. They decided not to defile themselves. And when I think about what it is, I've got to ask the question, what is it for you that tempts you? You know, it was lying in some situations. Sometimes it's language. But How are you dulled by an easy or convenient culture in our society? Because most of us aren't going to be hanging out in fraternity houses these days. But maybe it's, it's a different sort of culture that's striving to pull down some aspect of your holiness to make you more like the world and less like the people of God. What is that aspect for you? Do you know what it is? Are you aware? Maybe think about it. And if it's, if it's that 
maybe you work from home. And this is a challenge I can relate to. The, the harder one there is lessening my own integrity because I set my own schedule. How's, you, how's it going striving to maintain your own integrity, to stay sharp? You know, that's a hard one. I, I definitely know that that's a hard one. And so it's easy to get dull when things are easy and convenient and comfortable. So stay sharp. And how do you do that? As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. We've got to have the relationships. You know, these guys, these four guys, how did they do this? I think they did it because they they had one another. And they spent time with each other. And in fact, in Daniel chapter 2, if you go and you read 12 through 19, which I encourage you if you're taking notes, write it down, go read it. What did Daniel do? Well, in that time period, the king has this vision or he has this dream and he's like, hey, guys, interpret this dream for me. And nobody can interpret it. Nobody can interpret it. He goes, all right, all you wise men, enchanters, magicians, all you people, you're going to die. Because these shenanigans, they're not going to happen. You're trying to lie to me. I want to know what this means. And they're going out to kill these guys. And Daniel's like, whoa, 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 what's going on? Okay, hold on. Let me go pray about this. It says he goes to his house. And it says he goes to his house and then he tells his friends. Sounds like they live together. He tells his friends, pray for God to show mercy and help us understand. See, he went home and he beseeched his friends, the guys who were helping him be faithful to God. He goes, pray to God. Let's pray to God together. Let's, let's go to the Lord to find strength. Right? They go together to find out God's will, to find the power of God together. And then later, in another story, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego... Many of us know the story, not all of us do, but the king declares that they need to worship this idol, and they, they say they won't do it. And the king's like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to throw you into a furnace, and you're going to burn to death. And they're like, we're not going to worship you because our God can save us. But even if he doesn't, just know we'll never worship you. And the three of them, it, it says they kind of like spoke together. If you read the scriptures, it always makes me think that they like, we will never, you know, start over, worship you, you know. No, I think they just stood unified together, going, doesn't matter. We'll die for what's right. We'll do it together. Together. Together is how we defy the world. We, we live in a world as strangers, foreigners, and aliens. We don't belong here. Do you think about that? Are you aware of that? And if you're aware of that, you've got to consider... Am I around the people of the world I belong to? Am I around disciples? Do I find strength in the kingdom? Do I spend time praying? See, really the major practical of this whole thing is we've got to be with disciples who encourage us and strengthen us. We've got to be having prayer times with one another. And let's be honest, it's not really happening the way I know that it should be. We should be praying more together. Whether it be on the phone. And it's not convenient. It's not easy. It's hard. It's hard to be spiritual. It's hard to make the time. We live in a society that demands our time. Many of us work 50, 60 hour weeks. Or we have just demands on our time. It takes determination to live out and be strange in this world. We've got to make the time. 
to pray together, to strengthen each other. And if you think that just coming to church on Sunday is enough, it's not. You can't just come to church and be a Christian on Sundays. As Peter talked about, are you going to wear the cross or are you going to carry the cross? I want to carry it and I want other people to, I want to see them carry the cross with me. Right? Let's do it together. It takes, it's inconvenient to make the phone calls. You, it takes determination to set aside the time and go, I'm going to get up extra early to make sure I get time with you, bro. Or I'm going to be inconvenienced to make sure that I get time to pray with this sister or that sister to find the people who challenge us and sharpen us to keep us from getting dull. We, we must make the time. And honestly, I think we must Many of us, we must repent. I want to repent in my relationships and going after it even more on on being closer and praying more together and and asking each other about these things, challenging each other with the Scriptures. And when iron sharpens iron, sparks fly. Expect it. But expect to be sharpened. Bring yourself to the grindstone. But if you don't, we're going to grow dull. And our distinction from the world becomes less. Let's be distinct, set apart, prepared, ready to know and see God's will in our lives. And so I want to read 1 Peter 3 again and end this and wrap it up here. Therefore, Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life that you had handed down to you from your forefathers. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Prepare yourselves. Let's prepare ourselves together. Strengthen one another together. Let's be holy as our God is holy. Let's know and live as foreigners. To be the strangers. Do the stranger things. Right? This world is not our home. Let's put our faith in our God who paid for our lives with the blood of Christ. Which is more valuable than anything in this world. I pray that you will reflect and think on these things this morning. Let's live with our hope in heaven. And remember, this world is not our home. Let's do it together. Amen.